0: Baratu oh, wow. Ayo!
1: Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we are really excited to have on the air um, Mr. Troy Williams, um, who, um, yeah, wow, You know, I really admire his work as a journalist, um, as a media maker, and, you know, as a really honorable person who has a great story to share with all of us, as well as, you know, information about what he's up to presently. Um, I know he just took a position at Legal Services for
2: Prisoners with
1: Children. What is that position's title?
2: (laughs) Communications Manager.
1: Communications Manager, right. And thank you so much for joining us on such short notice. I'm glad you were able to move your schedule around to fit us in. We're going to be talking about LSPC Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and All of Us and None, for the next hour um, in a couple of iterations. You're going to talk about something that's happening tonight. It's going to be um, a film screening and panel discussion, the uh, Brave New Films uh, is um gonna be presenting racially charged America's misdemeanor problem problem and that's a free event at eight o'clock. Uh Eastern Standard Time which is five o'clock Pacific time for those of you who are joining joining us on this coast and um and there's a panel discussion with a lot of people that you might know uh Troy, um, and so you can let us know who those people are. Would you happen to have that right in front of you? You can let us know now so people don't have to wait.
2: (laughs) Um, I I, I actually have to. Let me me pull it up real quick.
1: Okay. Well, I could read um, it. It's uh, Deanna Hoskins, uh, president of JL USA. um, And uh, I don't know what the JL USA stands for. I know USA is this country, but um, I don't know what the J. L. part stands for, and then Ben Crump, trial lawyer for Justice, and uh, Ben Tr- Crump is been in the news around the um, the really wonderful, uh, um, I guess, legal um, precedent set by uh, the George Floyd uh, trial, which concluded yesterday, um, part one, and uh, Talitha L. Lafloria, associate professor at. UVA is at the University of Virginia maybe. Uh David Ayala, Ayala, uh, national organizer for FICPFM and I know people don't spell out these acronyms because they take up so much space but I don't know what that one stands for either. Uh, we've got uh, Chris Lolly, musician and father. And um are you um are you going to be saying anything uh Troy? At this particular um, screening and program. Uh oh, did we lose you? Oh yeah, we did.
2: <laughs> Hello.
1: Uh yeah, can we you? lost you for a minute. Now now we can't. Oh, oh, I was yeah. in another screen. Yeah I'm on a couple of computers here. I wasn't. Yeah I was like oh he's gone. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so I'm here, and 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 the F the FICPFM stands for the uh, Former incarcerated and convicted people and families movement. And okay. um, yeah, they they got some heavyweights. They got some heavyweights up there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn from these um these the people that are on this panel <laughs> tonight. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be in in awe of who's on the panel, and and just glad to 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 have the issues that are affecting us. Um, represented in a way um, that now, like the world, is it, paying attention uh, to what we're going through.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so tell us um, before I read your bio um, in a lot more detail than just telling folks your new um, position. Um, you know, at LSPC. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, tell us what the film is about. Racially charged America's misdemeanor problem.
2: So the, um, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but, you know, um, Dorsey came in and told me about the film and, um, you know, showed me some pieces. And um, the film is, like, mostly all of the high-profile cases of people who have been pulled over, they were pulled over because of misdemeanors. And so at the end of the day, the, the people are still... Um, losing their lives based on misdemeanor violations, misdemeanor stops, not even violations, but they're being stopped based on um, the the thought that they haven't committed some misdemeanor act. And then somehow that is, that is risen to the, um, you know, to the area or place where people um, were losing our lives. Um, And this is no different than, Convict leasing, this is no different than um, the vacancy laws. This is no different than how laws and crime was used as a way to keep us in place, to keep us um, from rising up. And as a people, like, our 400 years of slavery is over. Like, we're saying that's done. We're saying, like, it's time now to, like, y'all got to figure out something different. Y'all gonna have to figure out how to get along. Y'all gonna have to figure out how to, stop, how to stop doing these racist politics and playing these racist games because we as a people are saying it's over. Stop it,
0: right?
2: And so, they, I mean, the film. I went on to something else, but but this film really points to how we, how um, crime has been utilized, um, you know, to to keep us in place, to keep us down, to keep. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe for um, those who are not necessarily familiar with the, tech, the uh, terms, what do you mean by misdemeanor?
2: So, a, a misdemeanor is basically um, like so. You have a felony. You have crimes that are considered serious or or, uh, or 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 violent, right? And so, the only thing a misdemeanor is saying it's something minor. It's it's something, I mean, it could be a traffic violation. It could be, you know, one case, you know, a guy is jaywalking, right, Um, Mm -hmm. which there are certain audiences that, you know, city or state audiences that may prevent stuff, but they don't really, like, it doesn't really carry a weight, right? Um, um, I mean, it's not like a serious offense. It's not something that is really considered, like, uh, criminal, even though it could be considered a crime. I don't don't know if I did a good job explaining that, but it's it's not a serious offense to where Mm -hmm. you would need to stop somebody and pull a gun on them.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, like what happened to the young person who um, was 20 years old who had a expired tag on his car. Right. Right, that's a yeah, traffic violation, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and now he's gone, he's dead. And then just like you know, think about the sister a few years ago, who um, I'm trying to think, what was going on with her car? Um, I don't remember. Did she have a light out or something? And um, and because she wasn't sufficiently um, uh, you know, shows uh, I guess um appropriate servitude to the person who pulled her over, he. You know, he tackled her and then arrested her and incarcerated her, and then they found her uh, uh, hung.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and that
1: was, like, um, you know, like, really? And she was just saying, just give me the ticket, leave me alone, you know, just give me the ticket.
2: And And he was like. And that's all they could do. I mean, even recently, I saw some stuff on on, um, Instagram, you know, a couple of days ago. When the, the kids are being harassed on their bike, like now our kids can't even ride mm. their bikes down the street, and they're talking about, you know, my my first my first interaction with the law was a, I got a ticket on a bicycle.
1: You got a ticket right?
2: on a bicycle. And I got a ticket on a bicycle. Right? Wow. That was one of my first interactions, and so now they, they you know it's just mm. kind of like their way of logging you, cataloging you into the system, and then it mm. it it, 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 it this is a continued and ongoing process that has been happening to us ever since the so-called emancipation um, proclamation. Right? Mm-hmm. This this is continued. This is part of the the the, the restructuring um, of of America is to is to find other ways um, to penalize us, other ways to. Like get free labor from us and to, to throw us into, you know, into their into their system. Um, because I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar now with the Thirteenth Amendment um, to the United States Constitution that that creates um, that actually created an exception to slavery, um, and the exception was after being duly convicted of a crime, and so. Um, and I, I you know I can go through and I can tell you the whole history um some of that history will be told in the movie tonight um, mm-hmm. I, I hope people stay tuned in um, also um, we 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 have a couple of different events that are coming up um, uh, I think directly tied to this particular event is um the event that we're having on um, May seventh which is our we're launching our efforts to abolish bondage. Um and we're calling our A B C um bondage collectively. And we're asking we have to each state there's several states as well that have these clauses, these exceptions to slavery clause written in their constitutions and California is one of them. And what we're doing now, we're gonna kick Jim Crow, you know, out of California. Jim Crow gotta go. Right? He, he Jim Jim Crow about to be homeless. We send to send. We're sending Jim, send Jim Crow <laughs> out of out of California, uh, mm-hmm. and, and he needs to leave this country. And so we're joining the efforts as other states are doing right now, in, in order to uh, stop this racist, discriminatory acts that continue to throw us up into their system. And starting with racially charged is, you know, which shows that people are being pulled over um, based on race. They're being um, stopped and issued citations, and even their lives are being taken um, based on them. This this unbeknownst, you know, to most of us, that the, the effort to get us into their system and get us uh, get mm-hmm. free slavery out of us. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: sound really, really passionate about this. Um, why is that?
2: Well, I lived it. I mean, I spent half my life inside the prison system. My last eight years, uh, I worked as a video technician, uh, um, which mm-hmm. mean, and most people wouldn't notice when I ask people, what do they think my job was? I, a lot of times people should get, you know, was you the cook? Was you, you know, the janitor? Did you clean up stuff? Right. Um, and no, I spent my late as late, my last eight years of incarceration, I spent working as a video technician which meant that i helped run all of the programming and created shows um and programming um for the institution's channel um inside and i got paid all the 37 cents an hour to do that
0: hmm.
2: right and, and so i've been through i even been through it as a child where i was a triple scene shift operator when i was in youth authority and worked for a joint venture program where we were actually showing um, <laughs> we were showing uh, lingerie inside the prison uh, or juvenile facility um, for a joint venture program. And uh, so I've I've been through it, I've lived it. And then we come home, we work as firefighters, we do all of these things, and then we come home and we can't get a job. Doing the very thing that we did, that we spent ten plus twenty plus years doing inside, um, and it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. You know, it just, I mean, it it makes, on one sense it doesn't make sense to us, but on another sense, um, like people other people would say, the system is doing exactly what it's designed to do, and now we're standing up and we're saying like no more, like some things got to mm-hmm. change. I don't want this for my grandbabies. Um, that's what I'm really passionate about. Our young people, you know, my to my young homies on the block, you know, I don't want this for them. Like we got to do something different. We got to do something different. You know, uh, you know, we we home. A lot of us are home now, and we coming home to make some changes.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me um, let me read your your bio, and uh, then we can continue talking about. Um, you know, other other events that are directly linked to this one and we can go into more detail. I uh just uploaded the uh the trailer. I could play it. It's really short. It's only like mm-hmm. a minute. If if you think that would work be be really good to help people sort of Yeah I, you know, I visualize you really uh sort of what the film is about. And then maybe you could talk a little bit about Brave New Films, the um uh the producer of the work. Uh, they they've done some really, really great work, um in the past, and continue to do really good work, and um, yeah. So, you mentioned that you you served 25 years of your life in juvenile and adult prison facilities. Are you from Oakland?
2: No, I'm actually born in Chicago, um, raised oh. in uh, Linwood in Southern California, and mm-hmm. um, I paroled to Oakland uh, um, almost seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, oh, I, town. I, I, love, I love the bay. Dole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well for all for all sorts <laughs> purposes, I'm a I'm a Cali dude. You know, I grew up in California. I left I left Chicago. My family left when I was very, very young, so um mm-hmm. I've been in California all my life.
1: Okay, Southern California. But hey, you know, there's a little bit of Chai Town there in your DNA.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It don't take no mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, there's a yeah. lot of
1: great history there. You know, you think about the Sabo. Um, you think about um, all of the beautiful musical traditions that come out of there with the A A C M, the Association of um, Creative Musicians. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, you think about you know the first president uh, of of acknowledged African descent because you know they say that there were other black presidents right. but we don't know them because they didn't acknowledge it. <laughs> right. Right. Um right. yeah, yeah. But that first first family. And uh, you know, particularly uh, Michelle Obama. But anyway, back to your bio. While incarcerated, um you already mentioned that you became um well no, you didn't mention this part, that you became a certified paralegal. Uh you did mention, you know, your 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 video an award-winning uh, audio production program. You didn't mention that you were award-winning <laughs> uh, within yeah. a prison called yeah. the San Quentin Prison Report. Uh, you co-founded San Quentin's finan- uh, Financial Literacy Program and F-E-E-L Philosophy, which is Financial <laughs> Empowerment Emotional Literacy, uh, and you served as the Executive Director of San Quentin's Restorative Justice Interfaith Roundtable. After paroling in 2014, you served on the Alameda County Probation Chiefs Advisory Council, San Francisco District Attorney's Formerly Incarcerated Advisory Board, Oakland Public Safety and Services Oversight Commission, and a broad member uh, for Uncommon Law. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, a board member for Uncommon Law. I don't know why I'm seeing broad. Um, board. Oh, that's why, because it says broad, not board. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Oakland Private Industry Council, um, the Northern, Calif- Northern Chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists, Open Gates Men's Advisory Council, and the Life Comes From It Fund Advisory Circle. You are a busy, busy man. Um, you have worked as a youth program development specialist, restorative justice facilitator, Motivational Speaker, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Bayview, National Black Newspaper, where I write, Multimedia Producer and Program Coordinator for the Restorative Integrated and Self-Educated, or RISE, uh, Scholars Program at Chabot College, Columnist for the Oakland Post, Actor, Cinematographer, Filmmaker, and Podcast Producer. So what's your podcast so people can tune in?
2: Well, I I'm working on I'm working on the whole platform right now. So, um one of the things I did is, you know, I found an organization where I'm working on um some some of my own my personal work but also um being newly hired as a communications manager um for legal services for prisoners with children, you know, slash mm-hmm. all of us in nine. Um, we're going to be recreating some of the podcasts that we have there. Um, there was an old podcast that they used to do called w- Without Walls. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to we're gonna revitalize some of these um, older podcasts. And I have a bunch of things coming. If people want to look at me personally and find out what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you can go to yeah. toywimsjournal.com, um, and I automatically want you to tune in to um, legal Services for Prisoners with Children or .org, and find out what we're doing and come to our events. Um, we have a quest for democracy that's happening on May 4th and we have our May 7th event as I talked about. Um, we are um, kicking Jim Crow out of California. Um, <laughs> Oakland rejects slavery campaign. Um, we're not taking this in Oakland. I love Oakland. Oakland, <laughs> Oakland don't play. <laughs> I love Oakland. No, Oakland doesn't play. Oakland, Oakland, mm-hmm. Oakland don't play. They ain't going for it. Mm-mm. Come down here with that message, y'all want to? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of we got a lot of good stuff going, and uh, you know, the, the goal is just to keep getting the word out and to let like my my biggest theme is. You know not only to tell you know the the status quo that you know things are changing is it's time for a change and and we're we're not asking and we're not um we're not accepting no uh, things are going to change and um also to our young people that's out there like 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 my whole goal is to inspire them um you know that. That change is coming. Like, like, like. Let's we got to stop, you know, allowing these people to trick us into thinking that we're less than who we are because um, we were meant to be great, and 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 it's time to rise to that. It's time to, mm-hmm. to rise to that as a as a people, not just individually, but as a people.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. So I'm still making my way through your bio. Um <laughs> in two thousand eighteen uh you were awarded a Soros and this is your short bio, a Soros Justice Fellowship where you um uh, are I think you where you are working to create a national multimedia platform and community engagement program yeah. that will help formerly incarcerated people document their experiences and engage the public. So we have to have you on just to talk about you. Um, and then yeah, in twenty twenty, yeah, okay. hmm, go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Um, yeah, we no, can come I back.
2: Was, I was just yeah, I was just saying that the the platform is Restorative Media, right? And so okay, the right. Restorative dot org is that platform, and it, it will be um, launched shortly as well.
1: Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, when it gets ready to be launched, you come back on and talk more about it. Um, and in twenty twenty, you you. Um, Oh, oh, this is what we're talking about right now, restorative media. <laughs> no. An organization dedicated to working with formerly incarcerated and systems-impacted people, taking control of their narrative. You're currently one of 20 journalists selected from 56 countries to participate in the Entrepreneurial Journalism Creators Program at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism. Um, where is that?
2: It's in New York. It's in New York, oh, okay. but it was, it was it was a it's a virtual it was a virtual course. You know, COVID changed a lot. And so a lot of what we did was virtual. And I, I gotta say I learned so much. I learned so much from them. Like if people have an opportunity to look them up or to apply um for some of their programs, they really should. Like <laughs> I, I I learned some I learned some big time gain from them. So it was mm-hmm. great.
1: Right. Okay, so um, I'm going to play uh, this trailer, and uh, and then I'm going to invite your colleague um, on to the show, um,
2: yeah,
1: Geronimo, uh, uh, Geronimo, yeah, I didn't know Geronimo, Geronimo and you yeah. all were going to talk together. So anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so I got to pull up Geronimo's bio, and I'm going to play this trailer, and then Geronimo's going to join us, and you all can kick it. Um,
2: together y'all gonna get some real knowledge now Geronimo (laughs) coming
1: I love the name Geronimo you know I think about Geronimo (laughs)
2: um, yeah
1: okay but he spells it differently Um, so here's the trailer and Geronimo we're gonna we're gonna bring you on in in a minute literally
3: you act like I really just committed a serious
4: crime you did do something illegal you crossed the crosswalk
1: Misdemeanors have historically been the chump change crimes that we didn't pay attention to' I done, I
4: we're trying to do is go home man these laws didn't happen by chance from the Reconstruction era to modern day you see the fingerprints everywhere
3: John Clark was convicted on a misdemeanor gambling charge and was forced to work on a chain gang <laughs> to sell prisoners into
4: slavery, you first have to arrest lots of people. You say you're going to jail. And I'm like, what for?
5: This will be a part of my story. For
4: the rest of my life. The emaciated convict laborers work their
2: entire day barefoot. You're their slave with their shackle on your foot.
4: The problem isn't bad up on The problem is the system is working the way it's supposed to
1: okay, I think that's the end of that. um I wanted to ask you um before we shift to talking about um quest for democracy um and Geronimo welcome to the show if you could tell you. me a little bit about um uh Brave New Films. Um, if you know anything about them, uh, Troy.
2: Um I know a little bit, um, but I'm I'm not really like as probably as familiar as I should. But it's a organization that's in Culver City and um I believe they work a lot with um former incarcerated people to um produce the the shows that they're producing and they've taken on some Topics and some um different films that that you probably won't see from other organizations um, or other news or uh, media uh companies um mm-hmm. other than that i i I can't say I know that much um,
1: okay
2: about yeah them. yeah, but well, they've been I know around a while by Robert Greenwald, mm-hmm. yes.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, Robert Greenwald, yeah, great, great journalist. And how do people watch the film this evening? Um, do they go to LSTC website, and there's a link there? How, how do they register for the film, um, you know, for the screening and make sure they're, you know, in the room this evening at 5 Pacific Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time?
2: Um, well, I, there's a link that I have, um, and... We posted that link on our um, Facebook page, so if they go okay. to our Facebook page and see the um, you are you're, you're all invited" video that we posted a couple of days ago. Um, that's one way of getting there. They could go to Eventbrite as well and um, look up racially charged tickets and um, they should to get it from there or follow the um, F-I-C-T-F-M on Eventbrite, and and you can view it there. You mean formerly incarcerated and
1: convicted people and families movement? Is that what you mean by the acronym?
2: Yes, yes, yes. You can Google that and Google Eventbrite. It should come up, but probably the easiest way for them is to go to the LSPC or All of Us or None Facebook page and look up the video, you're all invited, and click on the link in the video, and they'll take you right to this registration page.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, and I'm and I'm going to also link to it um, here in the description for people who are listening this morning. So, Geronimo uh, Aguilar, you are an LFPC 2021 Ronald Elder Freeman Policy Fellow. Congratulations.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me on.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm happy you could you could um, join us. Really, really excited about, about this conversation that's going to be expanded that we touched on, um, you know, just a little bit ago that you were listening to. You're a graduate of Cal State Sacramento, and um, yes. your bio says that you are passionate about making sure policies in our state reflect the people they serve. That's important. <laughs> You're committed yeah. to uplifting black and brown people, native people, and uh, indigenous people, and ensuring that those who are directly impacted um, by these policies use their voices to ensure change and solutions. You're a father, a rising community organizer, and you reside in Northern California. And, yeah. and I know that you were really excited about, you know, folks getting the vote back you know last yeah. last uh yeah last year in in the um in the november um
3: elections,
1: so that was really exciting. How many people can vote now that couldn't vote before
3: uh let's see from prop seventeen i believe we restored um at least at least twenty thousand but let me uh let me do a quick uh research for you. Um, So I can get a get a more accurate number for you. Uh, But more importantly, yeah, we we restored the the voting rights of folks. Um, And, you know, it's just it's people power. Right. And so we're able to Mm -hmm. to really, uh, you know, build a voting block. Um, And and there's lots of like like Troy said, man, it's it's as old as as, uh, you know, sliced bread as far as them uh, coming up with policies and ways to keep us from engaging in, in the political system. Right. Um mm-hmm. so it was really an honor to see Prop seventeen go through and for us to restore the voting rights for those on parole and, and really start to uh, like I said, build a voting block to, to build power. Mm, mm-hmm. mhm. Right, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and, and we're we're um you were joining us specifically to talk about um the uh, ninth annual Quest for Democracy Advocacy Day, and and I was just thinking, you know, be, you know, between the two of you, um, Troy, definitely feel free to to join in wherever you feel that you want to say something. But just sort of thinking about, you know, this whole idea of democracy, and and the court system, and and voting, and how it all ties together. People think about, oh, they're telling us the right to vote, but don't necessarily connect that. You know, having the ability to vote also allows you direct input into the judicial system as, as a member of a jury. And so um, someone was just wondering if you had any thoughts about um, the, uh, the George Floyd, um, you know, part one uh, <laughs> um, conviction uh, results that um, happened yesterday.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, I've been involved in, and in, I got, you know, radicalized really at a, at a young age uh, from being, you know, harassed uh, by and profiled by the police, right? And so, um, you know, I spent my 18th birthday in, in Solano County uh, Jail behind really just uh, the police profiling me and my brothers uh, on my birthday mm-hmm. of all days. Um, yeah. And so, uh, like we were talking about earlier, uh, misdemeanors, um, it, it, was a, it was a noise complaint or it was somebody saying there was suspicious individuals outside. So we see time and time again, you know, these uh, these things that start out as, you know, what should be very, very minor, if any contact with the police at all, there shouldn't even be in a lot of these cases, uh, turn into, um, you know, a violent um, experience and, and ultimately death for a lot of folks. And so um, seeing the conviction was, you know, I, I mean, I, I temper my expectations a little bit because, you know, until I see some structural change, um, you know, I'll, I won't be holding my breath. Um, but I do know that, um, you know, for what Mr. Floyd went through um, and, and our black and brown communities uh, have continued to go through, um, it's good to see, uh, you know, a little bit of justice be, be um, served um, and see, you know, Chauvin have to have to pay for, for what he did Um but again, I mean, we, we've already seen since then another young person um, be killed, and actually, more more than more than one. Uh, we had Adam Toledo in Chicago, uh, Dante Wright, um, and then I believe there was somebody else just just last night, or not last night, but but in the last days or so. And so, um, like I said, you know, the way that we're gonna we're gonna handle this is to organize, you know what I mean, and to mobilize. And so, there's so many different ways. Um, I just I feel for the folks going out there and putting and putting boots on the ground and, and really demanding change in the streets. Um, you know I come from that background as as activist. I'm a, I'm a member of the Brown Berets. Um, I was able to go to to different places like Standing Rock and uh, mm-hmm. you know be involved with uh, you know mutual aid sending out to Ferguson and different places during you know also here in Sacramento with Stephon Clark. Um, and it's just uh, you know we need that combined with 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 the policy changes and folks organizing also on the policy level. And so um, it's been a good experience for me to be on this side of it and to be able to organize, uh, you know, uh, on the legislative side. Uh, but I I don't forget, you know, my um, my grassroots and, and, you know, as far as activism and, and getting out there and making noise as well, because it's all needed, you know what I mean, and folks are just um, – folks are just fed up, and, and, and rightfully so. It, it, it gets really tough to to hope uh, when it just continues to happen over and over again. And so, um, you know, hopefully, you know, Mr. Floyd's family have some, uh, you know, some, you know, a little bit of justice in, in understanding that, you know, there was a, you know, conviction, but, um that we should not we should not let up or stop um by any, by any means you know we should continue the the fight to to make sure that we we create structural changes and we we just we re, we really restructure the way uh police um are formatted and and, and placed in this country
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah okay. yeah uh Troy your your thoughts no, I, or feelings I mean, yesterday
2: Absolutely, like um, I agree with what Geronimo you know just said, like we have to we have to stop and really reimagine and 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 like i guess reinvent how policing happens in this country, right, and like people need to be held accountable, like even during the trial, like we know that the the officers the police chief testified against um their children, right, and I also know that that black officers are going through. A lot of um you know issues being in the in the in the racist um uh, police force so and, and I know that because I know people in law enforcement that I talk to, so we're we're up against it from a lot of different angles, just as a people, mm-hmm. and one of our fronts is just to stop this racist system from happening, right um one of our fronts is just to stop um, stop our kids from being said into this system. In, in in a way that negatively you know impacts us as a as a as people um in this country and so you know i i mean my love and just my my heart just goes out to um to george floyds family um and you know i i you know my heart and just love and prayers are just with them right now and um and that like Geronimo said we got we still got a lot of work to do, like we're a long yep. ways away this is this is this is this is like a small step, but I've seen small steps many times before um and sometimes small steps act like pacifiers, and um we can't afford yep. to be pacified um Jim Crow has to go Jim Crow has to go."
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's all related, you know, it's all related, you know, like you're, you're saying, Jim Crow and all these different, uh, on these different fronts, man. And, and I think people look at them as different issues, right? Um, you got the police brutality over here and you've got, you know, voting rights on, you got what's going on in prison over here. And, um, not understanding that it, it's all related. Um, and especially when you look at the statistics at, at who it's affecting, you know what I mean? The most and all those levels, we know, that, uh, you know, black men are, are at the highest rates of, of being killed by the police. We know that black men are at the highest rates of being um, incarcerated. Um, and, and brown uh, brown folks, brown men are right there, um, you know, not up to the levels, but definitely disproportionate. Right. And so um, when we have those kind of trends, you know, it, it, it's, we got to understand, we got to make those connections, that it's all it's all related and it's all part of a kind of a colonial uh, system. Um, that that from the gate uh, didn't didn't humanize us, and so in order for us to pass, absolutely. you know the, the 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 progress that we have made through the civil rights and through like you said the emancipation and some of the some of the rights that we've been able to gain has been through people organizing and coming together and putting themselves on the line um, in order to make a change, you know. So we just absolutely.
2: we just got to keep and, that and
3: legacy going. Absolutely.
2: absolutely, and and I, I want to add this too is that like like you know. We, we can't allow us, like, there's we have, there's no more Willie really Lynch, like, no more divide and conquer. We can't allow ourselves to be divided, right? So what happens to, one of us happens to all of us, right? That's why it's all of us and none, right? Sure. And so at the same time that, you know, we're, we stand with the Asian community and the violence is being put towards them. We stand with the Brown community and the violence has been put towards them. We stand with 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 the, the black community and the violence has been put toward us. We stand for the stoppage of violence against anybody, right? right. We, have to, we, have to, we have to stop it, allowing this racist system to pit us against each other in very subtle but sophisticated ways, right? Mm-hmm. They're very subtle yep. and they're, they're very sophisticated. And what we're standing up here now as a black man and a brown man on your show. We're saying like that sounds weird, huh? Black man and a brown man, but we're saying that. Well, is, man. Right, there was two of them. They walked into this place, right? No, but but what we're saying is that we're saying is that we're standing together and we're standing unified in the effort to ensure that our babies grow up in a country where they can feel safe, where they can where they can feel safe and they can grow to live to their highest potential.
3: Right. and
1: yeah let's talk about um yes
3: i was just going to say i pulled up that number we did restore the voting rights for for up to almost 50,000 uh individuals wow that's
1: awesome 50,000 that's a lot of that's excellent that's really excellent yeah well what you were saying both of you were saying um sort of ties directly into um the whole idea of uh Quest for Democracy uh, Advocacy Day. So I wonder if you could talk about that in um, in our, in our uh, closing moments or minutes. We have about mm, uh, about fifteen minutes. Yeah, because it is it ex- so it's so important that um, Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and all of us none uh started uh, the Quest for Democracy. Particularly, you know, sort of having people that felt really alienated from the system you know from the government system realizing that whoa we can write laws these people serve us like Mm -hmm. even if we can't vote they still serve us because we're still paying taxes Mm -hmm. and that's how they they make their living from us (laughs) so yeah and now with the vote restored for 50,000 folks that is really awesome um you know, they're going to be hearing from a lot more people. <laughs> and and then, you know, the way that LSCC and all of us had not stepped up, you know, given the pandemic and said, well, we're going to have an eighth. <laughs> we're just going to do it virtually. And it was phenomenal. Oh, my God. You know, like the the famous entertainers, you know, like Guapalé and the legislators, like, joining us in, you know, in the uh, online platform that you all use. I mean, yes. and all of the things that were kicked off last year, like the Wednesday program, you know, featuring people from all of us and now movers and shakers and organizers from around the country so we could see so what was going on with people around housing, around, oh. the, you know, the COVID-19 impact, you know, on loved ones. I mean, it was just, you all are really doing it. So anyway, uh, go ahead. Take all it away, Geronimo.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you Wanda Thank you for that for that segue that's that was perfect um and I just wanna say i mean um uh, you know given given the severity of what we're going through with the pandemic and and again how we see how uh, disproportionately um our communities have been affected right through through the through the pandemic and through you know mm-hmm. folks that have lost their jobs or the folks that have gotten sick because they've had to continue working um you know I um, have family members that, that still work in the field, of day laborers, and they haven't taken a day off since the pandemic started. And so it just blows my mind to see the, the uh, you know, um, the working conditions and, and those type of things that we still see in, in being the, the most wealthy country in the world. Um, so I think it's more important than ever this year for us to show up and to make sure that we are vocalizing our, our support and, and really advocating for ourselves. Um, and so, yes, we have Digital Quest for Democracy Advocacy Day. It's on Tuesday, May 4th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And we got some real, uh, some real cool uh, speakers and entertainers this year. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, a little bird told me Brother Cornell West might be doing a video submission for us, um, as well as uh, uh who won a Latin Grammy some years ago. He's going to be doing some entertainment. And also hopefully highlighting some of the work that um, his band does inside, working and doing workshops um, throughout the, the prisons in California. And so as a way to, to get them to, you know, reimagine themselves somewhere else other than um, in a cage, you know. And, and, and so um, it's, a, it's a day where we all come together. Wanda, you said it perfectly as far as folks that have been disillusioned by the system, folks that have been deemed, uh, you know, uh, throwaways and people that, you know, aren't, aren't aren't uh you know aren't valued and your voice doesn't matter because you made a mistake or, or or this that and the other and so to get all these folks together and, and we also got to understand that you know um in, in our communities when when we get locked up or, or something happens it ain't just us right our, our families get locked up with us um our moms and our sisters and our brothers and our children um and to see all the folks that are uh, also system impact and then be able to come together as well, uh, people that have been going through a lot of pain um, and that are able to speak that pain into power um, on Advocacy Day is very, very important. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be meeting with lots of legislators as well. Uh, besides the, the entertainment that's really going to get us, you know, inspired and stuff, we're going to be meeting with folks and really pushing uh, lots of great policies that we got got uh, this year going. Um, we're, we're co-sponsoring uh, 10 or 11 uh, bills because you know we, we were starting to try to pick all right which bills and, and there's just so many important issues. Um but we we, we would have jumped on more if it wasn't just for capacity reasons. Uh but eleven bills is quite a bit of um legislation that we're supporting, that we're co sponsoring. Um and, and so um if I get a chance I'll I'll highlight some of those bills for you as well so y'all can um you know follow uh some of the uh some of the bills that are coming down the pike here. Um, that are going to really affect the real change.
1: Yeah, yeah. please um, highlight those bills. But before you do that, tell people how they can register because um, I was speaking to um, your policy director, uh, Joanna, and she was telling me that um, the way that, cause there's, like you don't just show up and do it. You have to get trained. <laughs> so so to know sort of where people are located and to be able to put people in these, give, give them opportunity for these trainings so that you know how to advocate and, and lobby. Um, it's not difficult, but there is strategy involved. Um, people need yep. to register in advance. So, um, so I wanted you to give people information about where to go and register. Yep.
3: Yeah, so um, I'm actually looking at the website right now. And so if you just go on to the, to the um, Prisoners with Children website, uh, Legal Services for Prisoners with um, or you could put lspc.org, and, and it'll pop up for you. Um, you'll see the uh, registration link, uh, the registration page here. Um, it'll be on the front page. And so um, you just hit that link, and you'll be able to order your ticket. Um, I encourage folks to, to, you know, invite their loved ones, people that you wouldn't even think maybe are, are interested in uh, policy and, and these things because these type of events can inspire, uh, you know, a whole generation. And so, um mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's the easiest way to do it. Um, there will also be lots of, uh, you know, follow-up on our social media pages, on Legal Services for Prisoners of Children's Facebook, Instagram. We've got All of Us or None. Uh, also has a Facebook and Instagram account or Twitter. You'll see the links on all those pages as well if you follow us. Um, but I think the easiest way, yeah, would be just to go to the website, and you'll see the link here. Um, just hit that button, and it will take you right to the registration page.
1: Right. And and
3: I've also linked
2: to it um in the description as well. Thank there you. you go. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and yeah, we, we will have some um we will be hearing from uh um, Dr. Cornell West, Brian Easton. Um, <laughs> we will hear, we'll be here for some great ones and for our May fourth event and our May seventh event will be um, featuring Angela Davis um and Dennis Childs uh um, the the the, the arca of slaves of the state uh will be there and yours truly will be on the panel with them. I'm I'm so honored. <laughs> like, um, but, but I, I also I also gotta give a big shout out uh, to Dorsey Nunn and to mm-hmm. um Humbia, um for the vision that they've had over these past twenty years. Like you know, like eighty, nine, ninety. nine ninety um, just passed and it and, and, and is headed through um, appropriations or something. Am I am I correct in um, yes, sir. Yeah, public safety yesterday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. And, you need um, to tell us what, what so, you need
1: to tell us what what the bill is, not just the na- the number. So, what is it? Right,
2: exactly, exactly. My bad. We get so used to talking about this stuff, but the bill <laughs> is for the, the right for visitations. Um, oh by, yeah. um, by by prisoners, so now they have a right to visit and they um and the visit will be four day back to four days a week how it used to be. Um and um the right will hopefully, you know, if this passes appropriations and passes the other pieces that it has or goes will it will prevent Because a lot of people haven't been able to see their kids or see their family or see their husbands, see their wife, you know, over the past year and plus and there's been all of these excuses as to why contact cannot be made. You know, in some kind of way um, that would be safe to allow families to see their loved ones, and and that's just that's that's unacceptable. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, big shout out to you know one of our coworkers, Ivana, and her team um, for all the work that they've done to get that bill passed for our loved ones who are still uh, incarcerated. Um, right as well so once again and I want to and I want to mention
1: um, Ivana is um, she's the uh, project director for the family unity project and and also wanted to to mention that there was a really great press conference with uh, Representative Bonta Rob Bonta um, I don't know I'm feeling like last a couple of months ago anyway I went it was really good where there were family Uh, and children of incarcerated loved ones speaking about how hard it has been for them, you know, because of the pandemic, not being able Mm -hmm. to like even talk to their loved one on the phone or, or in a video call, which is all possible, even without, you know, with a pandemic, without a pandemic. I mean, it doesn't take anything to be able to get the facility being able to like make sure that at least the loved one can have a, Video call with their their family, but some of them have That's had me. nothing, not even mail and you know they just you know the mail has always been really terrible anyway um and right. and Dorsey was talking about how you know that the loved one is is criminalized and and you know and the grandmother or the the child like like why are they being criminalized? all they're trying to do is you know send their loved one a letter.
5: You know, yeah. and,
1: and, and that sort of has to go through all these different levels of scrutiny. And then a lot of times stuff gets sent back to the yeah. person as yeah. if something was wrong with it. So, yeah. so And then Bonta was also mentioning with this bill that there will be money included so that people could stay for the weekend and they could go more than one time to visit their loved one because you got to travel, mm-hmm. like, distance <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> to be able to see yep. somebody. I mean, exactly. like, it takes hours and hours because – because folks exactly. are, like, in the desert, like, almost in Nevada, if you go in one yep. place, or,
2: mm-hmm. I mean, it's far. It's mm-hmm. far. It's far. It's, it's definitely far in California. But the thing, you know, that, but the, I mean, I think that's the, the theme of this entire conversation for the day, is that it just it all fits. We're starting off um, today um, with this film, Racially mm-hmm. Charged, where we take a look at how our people are being led into this system and, and murdered based on, you know misdemeanor stoppings um traffic violations, you know and are just being treated less than human um and, and you know, and I'm not trying to demonize every 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 police and 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 at the same time the ones that are doing wrong, you gotta go it's time to go um and we're then coming around and we're having our uh, may fourth de- quest for democracy um where you know, we will be lobbying and talking to lawmakers about our interests, right, uh, presenting our interests and our perspectives um, to them, which is very important. And then we're going to then have another session on May 7th where, as I said, Angela Davis, you know, we all know who Angela Davis is, love her and Mm -hmm. how she's represented for the longest. Um and Professor Dennis Childs and myself will be on the panel just to have this discussion about why Jim Crow needs to go. Um and, and we all basically know the answer to that, but I think it'll be pretty uh pretty entertaining conversation. I get to be mm-hmm. with these two great people on the panel. Mhm. Yeah. yeah, and
1: for the for the event on the seventh, um, where can people find out more about that? Where is that located?
2: Um, once again, you can go to um, prisonerswithchildren.org and um, you can uh, um, slash ABC. Uh, I believe that's the link, and mm-hmm. you can you can get to it there. Or once again, go to our Facebook page, um, either LSBC or All of Us in None's Facebook page, and go to the video. You're all invited and in there you will see links to all three events. You will see links to all three events on the Facebook. That's probably the easiest way for people to get there is just look in the bio or the description of the video, and you will see links to all three events and sign up for them there.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, and I want to let everyone know that I I did link to Racially Charged, and I did link to Quest for Democracy, and for (laughs) May it will be in WandasPicks.com. Um, if you missed anything, <laughs> but I wanted I wanted you to have the last word, Geronimo. Um, just sort of drop drop some of these these policies that y'all are gonna be looking at because some of them are like, oh my goodness! And thank you so much, um, Troy, for lifting up the one around family visits because that is something mm-hmm. that everyone families have a right to, you know,
3: yeah. seeing
1: their loved one doesn't matter where in the heck they are.
3: That's right. That's right. And and. Um just to to give a little more on on a b nine ninety um bonta now is is running for for a g um and so we we do have a new author a, of the a bill but he, What's he that did, mean? Uh, attorney attorney general i'm sorry yeah um he is? Confirmation here oh. yeah yeah he got for attorney general uh, oh which through the the coalition for family unity in a little bit of a loop because they needed an author right uh but he did a great job of passing it on. <laughs> So they, oh. they do have a new author, um, and so the bill is still going. It's going strong. As, as Troy said yesterday, it passed through public safety. It's on to mm-hmm. appropriation. Um, and so we're we're just, you know, supporting it and keeping it going there. Um, that's AB 990. Also, as far as the, the ABC uh, coalition, you know, for, for those of your listeners that are in the Oakland, you know, local Oakland natives and citizens, um, we're, we, we are uh, – spearheading a local campaign as well called Oakland Rejects Slavery. And so we're going to be um, jumping off a campaign to, to move the city council to pass a resolution in support um, of ending involuntary servitude. Um, so if you want to get involved, uh, please just contact us through our through our, um, our website, through prisonersofchildren.org. Um, you can shoot us an email and just say that you want to get involved um, in the campaign, and we'll make sure to loop you in as well. Um, but some of the bills, Wanda, uh, there's there's so many of them, so I kind of just had, like, I know a smaller, I know uh, <laughs> to highlight. But some of the ones that we're we're highlighting, um, uh, another is uh, it's called Sunsetting Conviction. So this is SB 731, um, and this one is also going to be a personal uh, big benefit for myself. Um, it's going to seal um, it's going to seal criminal records, right? And so we we've had some bills. that have been doing some of that work already, but this one's going to be way more comprehensive. Um, Thousands of laws policies and practices create barriers, you know to success for people living with criminal records Um and so this bill would implement a comprehensive system to seal uh, arrest records for folks though so, um, You know, we know folks uh, trying to get housing trying to get employment There's just so many things and these records just rear their ugly head whether they be five ten years ago or whatever um, And so people aren't able to move on with their lives and this is after already serving the time um, and so Uh, SB 3731 will retroactively provide the same opportunities for record-sealing relief for individuals convicted on or after uh, January 1st of 1973. And so I like that it goes back pretty far, um, you know, and and it's something that is just sorely needed as far as, uh, you know, taking down some of these barriers and creating a bridge for folks, um, you know, that have already served their time and have already done their thing as far as, you know, uh, being inside and already now to, to find gainful employment and, and they've just had these, these records follow them. Um, and so another bill, um, I want to highlight is, is the, we're calling it the free bill, which is SB 354. And so this is, um, uh, for folks that want to get relative um, foster care placement. Um, and so what's going on right now is, is anybody that, you know, is convicted and has children, they're not able to leave their children with any family members that have like any type of record. And so, um, Again, like Troy was saying, it could be records that, uh, that aren't even really uh, egregious or serious or it could be stuff that was from a long time ago. And uh, 731 will help with this as well as part some of these records. Uh, but it will allow, um, you know, uh, folks to uh, children to be placed with family, uh, you know, really for just a small percentage of, of crimes that, that will kind of, um, you know, disqualify you from being able to to have a child placed in your in your family. And so I just think it's so important to keep families together. Um, that's one of the Mm -hmm. things that this prison industrial complex has really done is it's, it's fractured our our family structures in our black and brown, um, communities. And so we see a lot of families, uh, being broken up. And when that happens, it just really continues the cycle. And so these bills are aimed at really uh, keeping the family together. Um, and the free bill goes, goes a long way in that as well. Um, And then the last bill I want to cover for now is is the Vision Act. And so
0: um,
3: being a a Chicano um, and a native of the Bay Area, um, I see lots of, you know, I grew up with lots of folks that were undocumented, um, but that have been here since they were children and people that, you know, uh, worked hard and and, and did everything that they needed to do to try to be productive members of society. Um, And so... Uh, what the Vision Act will do is pr- protect our, our undocumented folks uh, from if they if they do uh, end up doing some time or they end up getting caught up for, for whatever reason, um, what's happening right now is they're getting out of state prison or they're getting out of county jail and they're serving their time. Um, and uh, those county jails and those state prisons are notifying federal agents, ICE, uh, to come in and pick these folks up. And so they're literally getting out of custody here, and then they're going straight to a ICE facility. Uh, sometimes for years um, and ultimately to be deported to a country that they might have never been to since they were one or two years old and so um, you know it's things that just uh, it's evidence again of of us not being treated humanely Um, and so the Vision Act will will protect uh, those folks in the sense of you know not allowing state and county uh, you know agencies to work with federal uh, agencies and so um, I don't think that's too much to ask <laughs> to have you know our local and, and, and state you know tax dollars uh, going to what they're what they're uh, what they're paid to go for, and they're not paid to to be cooperating with um, federal um, ICE and Homeland Security and, and such. And so, um, the Vision Act is another one, AB um, AB 937, and that also just passed uh, through Judiciary Committee yesterday. Um, and okay. so we're going to be going up to Appropriations as well. Yeah, so. Uh, the mm-hmm. bills are, are they're chugging along. Uh, actually, out of all of our bills on our platform, all of them have been passing through the, the various committees, and so we're just excited to to hopefully make that final push um, and get it to the to the governor's desk here pretty soon.
1: Wow, wow, this is so exciting! So, folks need to totally be registered for Quest for Democracy Ninth Edition on um, May Fourth, Tuesday, May Fourth, so they can be in the room. Um, Literally be in the room, <laughs> be in those legislative offices rooms, and you know pushing for other other bills that we haven't been able to speak about because of time um, that you know okay. might have personal resonance for them, yeah, so I guess you can go to um, legal services for prisons with children um, o r g um, to find out for most of these all of them, and you can definitely find links um, at LSPCs, um and All of Us and Nuns, um L- All of Us and Nuns is a program of LSPC, um uh, on the Facebook site. Is that correct?
2: Yes, yes. yes. So that's yes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that was my radio voice. PrisonersWithChildren.org. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice radio voice, Troy. <laughs>
1: well, I'll see you all both tonight um, at the screening and uh, awesome. Racially Charged, America's Misdemeanor Problem. Uh, the panel looks really, really outstanding, and uh, it's going to be really important, important conversation. And, again, that's 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and that is a free event and uh, I'm linking to it. You can also go to the Facebook page. You can also go to Eventbrite, which would be kind of hard to remember all of these words. So I think you should let <laughs> us help you by going to, this, going to the Facebook. and just clicking on <laughs> Racially Charged, America's Misdemeanor Problem.
3: And and while you're hey, there, Wanda, you can you also register. I'm... Hmm? I was going to say, you mind if I just draw my email real quick for anybody that wants to oh, get involved? Oh,
1: please, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah you you can could, you could hit my
3: email at uh, Geronimo. I spell it with a J, uh, being that I am Chicano, so so my grammar goes head on anymore, right? But Geronimo, J-E-R-O-N-I-M-O, at prisonerswithchildren.org. And, again, if you want to get involved in any local campaigns, uh, please, please uh, hit that email, um, and we'll do our best to plug you in uh, to to some of our uh, legislative work that we're pushing. Okay, excellent, excellent.
1: Well, cool, we'll have to have you all come on again, and this was a really fun um, conversation with both of you. Um and yeah, again I'll I'll see you this evening at the film. Um you might not know I'm there, but I'll be there. <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah, keep up the great work and congratulations on the legislative victories.
3: Thank you, Wanda. Appreciate Thank you. It. Thank all right, you, you all take good Thank care.
1: You, <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Peace you
3: you.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. bye. Bye. Bye bye. Hey Chris, good morning. How are you? Morning Wanda, good to hear your voice again. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for rearranging, you know, your your daddy duty um, so that we could talk about this amazing um, first edition of Livable Planet Film Festival that you curated as a part of the SF Indie yes. Festival family. So, um, so I'm just gonna just you know, like do the real the real brief bio because people should know you by now, Chris Metzler. I mean I guess a famous? You're the associate director of programming at for Doc Fest and as I mentioned, curator of this first because wow, I mean I know people probably are missing S F um uh Green uh festival because it is no longer. So you all said, Well yeah. we can't not have a Bay Area, you know, film festival celebrating You know, sustainability and, you know, the earth and the planet and, you know, like, and so you all stepped in as good, you know, um, citizens that you are of film. (laughs) And it just looks really, really awesome. So, um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to preview any of the ones you suggested that I look at. So just take it away. Talk about, you know, sort of the intention behind livable planet. I mean, it's kind of kind of important that we, we're able to live on it. I mean, it'd be great to like, okay, the planet will be here and you will be gone, people. Um, but it's not that it's livable. <laughs> How do we stay here? Yeah, yeah the planet will and be fine a high without us. You know. Right, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah we are parasites. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
5: well, you know, um, as you alluded to, for the last 10 years, there's been a great environmental film festival in San Francisco, uh, the San Francisco Green Film Festival, and unfortunately had to close its doors last year, um, due to a few things, and obviously the pandemic, uh, doesn't help, and, um, myself and, um, founder of Livable Planet, uh, Jeff Ross, we're just like, we saw so many environmental films that came through submissions, and we, you know, only had so many slots, cause like, you know, SF DocFest is about, all kinds of eclectic docs around the world. And Indie Fest is about different genre and independent films. And so we can't just like make the whole slate environmental films. And so we thought there's all these great films. And I mean, if there's one city in the world where um green and environmental films should be able to be seen is in the Bay area. And mm-hmm. so um we just decided to just kind of embrace it. And while this was kind of an unusual time to start a new film festival, um we just felt that like, there were, you know, films out there that filmmakers were wanting to get out there, and um, we decided to jump into it, and we just, like, were overwhelmed with submissions. We knew there were a lot of great uh, kind of, you know, green films out there, or adventure films or wildlife films. And so um, with it, we kind of put together uh, two weeks of programming here uh, for Livable Planet. It launches tomorrow on Earth Day, April 22nd, and runs through uh, May 2nd. Um, all the screens are online. Uh, via sfindy.com and you know like even now we kind of explore some really deep and important issues I mean this is Indie Fest you know um, we always kind of have a, a bit of kind of a fun loving spirit to things and so all the films have like kind of great stories underneath them or um, are kind of um, take you to different kind of places to kind of immerse yourself too often like you know environmental films wind up getting this kind of bad rap of like okay it's like eat your own meal or eat your vegetables. It's good for you, you know. We don't like to program those sorts of films. I mean, uh, we really want you to kind of go on a cinematic journey, and hopefully at the end, maybe it will continue to kind of reflect about the way that we all live life and maybe take uh, some different kind of pathways to kind of create change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, you all have been – having uh films on the digital platform. You were one of the only film festivals that did not say, Well, folks, we are not having a, a <laughs> festival this year. You were like, Oh heck to the no, we are doing this <laughs> and, <laughs> and and you did people it really watching well. Netflix, right? You know? Uh yeah, well you know, Netflix are nice but <laughs> it's not a film festival. No, West. yeah. Like that that <laughs> yeah, that has, you know, all these different you know, curators, you know, pulling it together, and and you know, like you said, you have hundreds of submissions, um, you know, so it, you know, there's no comparison. So tell us, you know, so like, what are the opening films, and um, you know, some of the categories, and uh, any any new films, you know, filmmakers that are local to us, and then you know, of course, I'm interested in films that have something to do with the African um, diaspora, you know, um, black folks, black folks, so. Yeah,
5: Not we sense. just want it in that order. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, you know, um you know, uh just to kind of uh kick things off is like you said, is you know, I mean, we love throwing in person festivals, you know. I mean it's great mm-hmm. to be able to meet makers, you know, just kind of be in the theater of the Lo- Roxy and just kind of kick back and um you know, take this journey. Um, but we had, you know, a slate of films for last year uh, SF Doc Fest and we were like no, we don't want to do a virtual film festival. No, we don't want to. And we kept on kicking the can down the road. And eventually our filmmakers were just like, we would prefer to be a virtual film festival than there to be no film festival. And in the end, you know, um, obviously we serve our audiences in San Francisco, but our collaborators are, you know, the filmmakers. Um, So we gave it a go with our first virtual film festival in September. And it went really well. And so we just decided, like, who knows how long this pandemic is going to last And there's a lot of great films out there. And if people are willing to sit at home and watch Hulu or Netflix, maybe they're willing to watch some kind of independent curated film festivals. And I think that there's kind of in some ways a thirst for it in the sense of like you want something a little bit different, you know, uh, something maybe a little bit authentic. And so um, we took that in mind with programming Livable Planet as well. And so our opening night film is a really terrific film, Landfall. Um, which follows uh, the journey um, of kind of puerto Rico's recovery after this kind of twin cataclysm of uh, both um, you know hurricane Maria striking several years ago and uh, kind of an economic collapse and basically um, you know explores the kind of colonial roots um, of that kind of led to this disaster but also uh the people's kind of hope and inspiration to kind of recalibrate and kind of build uh, their community back in better and stronger ways and the thing that's really neat about the film is it's you know it's not really about just like the facts you know it really just kind of introduces you to several different characters and you follow them in this very kind of poetic story and so in some ways it's kind of you know it's not doesn't provide all the solutions but it provides you a vibe of what's going on there and in some ways I think it might be kind of a more honest um, sort of portrayal than you know uh, kind of a more of a you know, up-from-the-sky sort of viewpoint that maybe people would often take with a film. Um, and then our Synergy's film is a uh, film Entangled, and it's about uh, the threat to uh, humpback whales. Um, being an environmental film festival, we have to have some wildlife film festivals, and, you know, people love whales, and humpback whales themselves are just uh, such smart, beautiful creatures. And um, it really is about, you know, how the way that we treat our oceans um, are impacting these great creatures. And our closing night film is a uh, film Red Heaven, uh, which is directed by two former Stanford graduates. And uh, this one is just, you know, we couldn't find, a, like, a great science fiction narrative film uh, to this kind of program. Uh, but this game was pretty close because it was a documentary of seven people who volunteer to kind of train for Mars, you know. And so they get sent out into the middle of the desert and kind of have to live uh, many months as if uh, they're – recreating the experience of a journey to Mars. And so I think none of us really want to go live on Mars, you know, but sometimes people kind of present that as the solution of, hey, if the Earth is, you know, effed up, uh, let's just go to Mars. And so uh, here's kind of a what-if sort of situation in the end. It's kind of a a fun sci-fi sort of documentary. But in the end, I think we'd all prefer just to kind of take care of Earth.
1: Right, yeah, and then – didn't something just happen in, on Mars? Like, didn't something, something, a helicopter landed there? Um, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Like, like yeah, I think there was, like, like, two they days like flew ago a,
5: or a drone or a helicopter or something like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh-huh, to, like, take pictures so we can have some stuff in real time.
5: I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's really
1: cool. That's really, really cool. Yes. We've been talking about living on Mars for a long time.
5: Um. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think they're really <laughs> wanting to kind of figure out if this is a sustainable solution or not, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously that sort of exposition and journey and science is really awesome. Um, so obviously I'm a fan of exploring outer space, but I want to choose to go to Mars. I don't want to have to go to Mars because I have to, you know. Um, yes. And I think that's yes. the thing that kind of um, undergirds so many of, uh, you know, the films in um, – Livable Planet is that, you know, we try to kind of like, look, there's some very difficult problems we're, we're facing and some stories that are, you know, um, kind of dark. Um, but, you know, there's always this kind of aspect of hope, I think, to a lot of the films in the sense of like their solutions to these, uh, you know, problems. And actually um, there's a great film um, from Africa called uh, Women Hold Up the Sky. And it's a mm-hmm. profile several different um, – female activists environmental activists in kind of more traditional communities in africa and it's kind of one of those things where it's just like um these women you know identify the problems that are going on in their communities and say hey look you know i care about this not just for myself and my family but like i want us to be able to kind of live the way that we want uh for years to come and so they take action and then it's uh you know, it's an action that's kind of done with you know so jo- so much joy, and so that's a really great film. Uh, Women Hold up the sky from South Africa, um, mm-hmm. and as part of our kind of larger um, stories from Africa series, and so um, thinking about like kind of themes and things is that we have about 15 features in the festival, uh, but wow. then we have like about 40 short films that are you know shorter, mid-length films, and. That's a little bit untraditional for a film festival, um mm-hmm. usually we're, we you know we have short blocks, but um one is being in this virtual environment we can uh program more shorts because if you don't see a short box in a theater uh mm-hmm. you know if you program one film that the some people in the audience don't like, they might just walk out because they're, like, okay I don't want to sit through this, whereas if you're at home and you want to skip it you can I mean look, we think mm-hmm. all these films are wonderful, and you should watch them all, but like having the option, you know, um, that kind of independence and control, um, you know, is an interesting choice. And so um, what we found as we kind of dug deep into kind of green film festival programming is that there's a lot more like shorts and mid-length films made of environmental subjects than like feature films. And so we Mm -hmm. kind of felt like, you know, we wanted to be fair to these films. It's like, if that's the kind of art form in the environmental world, then instead of making them kind of conform to our expectations, let's embrace what they have. And so typically our shorts programs are anchored by like a mid-length film that's like 30 or 40 minutes long and then mm-hmm. paired with, you know, three or four other kind of short films. So um, one of our, um, you know, thematic shorts programs is Radical Females. And it's basically... Yeah, that, um, I love
1: the title of that one. <laughs>
5: Yeah. We just, we felt like we just needed to kind of embrace it. Cause it just, it totally synced up with the vibe of these films, you know? And so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a film on like, uh, you know, uh, young girls that are skateboarding and surfing, you know? Uh, but mm-hmm. then there's also a story about this, uh, senior citizen, um, who has kind of like wound up climbing five of the to- uh, tallest peaks, uh, mm-hmm. in the world. Um, you know, and so, um, It just shows you that no matter where you're at or your age, you know, that you can kind of, um, you know, be an adrenaline junkie (laughs) and get out there in the world, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. there's also a short film on uh, Greta, um, um, I'm spacing out her last name, but the young kind of environmentalist from, um, uh, the Netherlands who kind of took, uh, the world by storm here about a year ago. And, oh, um, yes, I know you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what Greta's last name is. It's like we're, it's like we're on a first name basis with her. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, there's a actually a film in that program, The Chapel, uh, which is about an environmental activist who took on a. Is it um, name Greta
1: um, Greta Sunberg?
5: Thun- yes, Greta Sunberg, Yes, there's a film on Greta Sunberg which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we have a local film uh, by director John Antonelli, who's a great documentary filmmaker and actually is one of the producers of the shorts that go with the uh, Golden Environmental Awards each year. And actually one of those Goldman Award winners uh, is featured in a movie, The Chapel. And uh, that's oh. about a woman up in Washington who kind of took on uh, a refinery that was polluting her town up in Washington. And so mm-hmm. that's called The Chapel, mm-hmm. and that's part of the Radical Females program. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, us being a green film festival, we have to, of mm-hmm. course, you know, can't just tell human stories, we have to tell animal stories. You know, sort of a of course. weird, the, the the weird wild world of animals. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, that that program is kind of a mixture of, um, you know, the kind of toxic pigs of Fukushima uh, that kind of have, become wild after the nuclear disaster there in Japan about 10 years ago. And that's a
0: mm-hmm. really
5: surreal and creepy documentary. Um, mm-hmm. But then we have a film, Squirrel Worlds, which is about this artist um, in New York city who uh, befriends these city squirrels that um, are kind of under attack uh, by other people <laughs> in, in the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, and that's kind mm-hmm. of a little offbeat quirky, you know, sort of film. So as you can see, like we run the gamut, you know, and, I think the mm-hmm. way we approach the programming for a livable planet is to kind of like, it's like an appetizer platter, you know, in the sense of like the world's mm-hmm. a big place and we wanted to give you a bit of a flavors from each place and the different sorts of um, all the diversity that um, is here on the shared world. But in the end, it's just a sampler. There's so many other things mm-hmm. uh, out there.
1: Right, yeah. You have a section um, <clears throat> called Bay Area Stories and Storytellers, and, you know, that's where landfall and red heaven come from. But then you have where the buffalo roam and Mm mothman and tool elk, the killing of a native species, and then you mentioned already the chapel. Um, Any of these uh, Bay Area Stories and Storytellers new to um, SFND um, family?
5: Yeah, I think... um Actually, of all the films on there, I think um, all the local films are all new to the SFMDFest uh, family, you know. Um, and then hopefully, you know, uh, we'll get a chance to kind of program their next film. Uh, several filmmakers on there, that's their kind of first films and that we're programming. Mm-hmm. Others are kind of uh, uh, diehard documentary filmmakers who have been making it for a long time, and this was kind of our first opportunity to um, create a relationship with them. And I think that's, you know, you have, there's this kind of idea of specialty film festivals out there in the world and so it's like if you make an environmental film it's like you screen environmental film festivals you know and so we mm-hmm. haven't had the opportunity necessarily to program some of their films because they've you know gone and screened at more traditional environmental film festivals and so when Jeff Ross and I created Livable Planet the thing we wanted to do was kind of more of make a hybrid environmental film festival in the sense that it would kind of uh, satiate the desires of people out there that really just kind of thirst for environmental programming, but then also people who just love independent cinema um, and maybe think, like, environmental films aren't for me, that there would be something for them. And so that's one of the reasons why we actually have a midnight movie, Slacks, which uh, is uh, yes, <laughs> a film about killer pants, uh, <laughs> and it's about mm-hmm. a, a pair of pants at a boutique uh, fashion store uh, that doesn't necessarily make uh, very conscientious choices in regards to fashion, and the pants come alive and start killing people at the mall. And um, it's, mm-hmm. it's about as bad wow, as you can Wow, how imagine. cute! <laughs> yeah. mm. uh, so oh, that sounds really fun. You the flavor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you actually you have a film uh, with Jeff Springer um, in the in the fifth festival, and I don't know. <laughs> when the last time you had a film in the festival were like, Whoa, tell us about Mothman
5: Yeah Absolutely. Uh well hopefully uh no nepotism uh, comes into play in programming that but uh you know uh myself and uh, Jeff Springer Quinn Festella, we made a movie down in Louisiana two or three years ago called The Rodents mm. of Unusual Size is a upbeat feature documentary. And um, and so while we were on that trip in Louisiana we ran in a This guy Adam Morales uh, The moss man Who basically uh, searches the swamps Of Louisiana and harvests The moss and we filmed A little profile on him And um, just had recently Finished it and um, the rest Of the programming team were like hey this is An environmental film this is pretty cool Can we screen (laughs) it and so we said okay Yeah and so um, obviously uh, Jeff Quinn and I are based in the Bay Area and um, You know what we like to do is kind of travel far afield to kind of tell great stories and then bring them back to the San Francisco area. And so Mossman's a kind of a short film, um, uh, kind of, a you know, impressionistic portrait of like a man's life on the swamp. And this you know, 75 years ago, there were tons of people that uh, harvested moss because it was used for like, you know, cush, uh, you know, King cushions for like, um, you know, fattening them up or, or, um, uh, of like the insulation and in walls and things like that. Uh now it's just used for decoration on plants. And so he's the last Solsa surviving uh moss moss collector of Louisiana. And so through him we get to kinda of, get a chance to see what he appreciates about nature, but also what's a threat um with all that kind of environmental degradation that's going on.
1: hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to be exciting. And and I noticed that um, you have, um, I don't know if it's a shorts program, but you have a program, um, Stories from Africa. Yeah, it is a shorts program. And then I noticed yeah. that you had another film uh, from Ghana, but you have some other films, like you have the the horror movie about pants. And and you have another film and you might have others but this is just like I'm just sort of looking at them and I'm trying to remember without scrolling back. Um a <laughs> film about coffee, uh, cream creamer. And and you have yeah, and I'm like, Wow, that's kinda cool. I I'm always really interested in learning more about, you know, sort of the connection of, you know, between what we eat. Um, you know, a lot of times mindlessly, uh, and, and 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 how that affects the planet. Not 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 to mention mm. our body as a planet, our body as an ecosystem. <laughs> you know, which is actually <laughs> important. <laughs> yeah, so if you could like talk about those things, um, those films and those those programs.
5: Yeah, uh, well, work my way backwards. So there's kind of a okay. quirky, offbeat film. Um, what should I put in my coffee? And um, mm-hmm. the filmmaker kind of uses that question to go on a journey about uh, exploring both the dairy industry, but, you know, the almond milk industry, and, of course, Oatly mm-hmm. and oat milk is all the rage nowadays, to figure out yeah. what's the most environmentally um, friendly creamer to use. Because the filmmaker, he actually happens to be a film critic up in uh, the Pacific Northwest, and he loves coffee, no surprise uh, there. He just lives outside of Seattle. And uh strangely enough, one night he uh, took an LSD trip and basically got obsessed mm. with his question and decided to make a film. And, um mm. you know, I think he goes down this journey, if with necessarily the solutions, but there's a lot of information that, you know, we're not aware of that about the food that we consume. And in this case, you know, creamer, coffee, and it's just a, it's a fun jaunt, you know, um, learning about um, some of the kind of, Trade-offs we decide to make when there are things that we just really like. You know, I mean, I know I so, I like non-fat cow milk in my my coffee, and it might not always necessarily be the best decision. But like, uh, what do we, what should I put in a coffee is a, a nice fun film and also one for, like you said, who's kind of curious about the kind of food production system. Um, and then in our um, Stories from Africa series, uh, you know. We have several different kind of uh, stories there. One is a really kind of uh, hopeful film, Tangafu, about a young man who's helping kind of restore uh, some coral reefs. And so uh, not only is he kind of an environmental activist, but, like, there's some really great kind of underwater photography um, of him kind of working to restore these coral reefs, you know. Um, On the kind of the flip side, of more kind of a darker side, there's that, a film called Stolen Fish, and that's set in Gambia, uh, I believe. And that's a story about mm-hmm. how all these multinational corporations have moved into Gambia and are basically overfishing um, the ocean there uh, to kind of harvest all these fish in the sea and basically turn them into fish meal. Uh, and fish meal mm-hmm. is one of these things that um, isn't kind of exported around the world to kind of uh, – Feed uh, farm-harvested fish, and also um, is used in like feeding livestock and things. And so, it just—it's a in some ways it's mm. kind of like a neo-colonialist approach to uh, you know Africa, like you know countries like the United States and China are just sending these people there, just to kind of like take this huge resource that you know the folks of Gambia um, are traditionally like one of the big things of their meals is fish and because of mm-hmm. um this kind of overfishing there's nothing left for the local fishermen uh to survive mm-hmm. on and so they wind up having them food to feed themselves and you know you know it's a just it's a very you know cinematic way to kind of like put yourself and hopefully empathize with like the plight of these people and also how we're all kind of complicit in kind of Contributing to allow these multinational corporations to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, I, I didn't see that one. What's the name of that one? Uh,
5: that one is called Stolen Fish, and oh, it's a 30 minute okay. short documentary. Yeah, and it's oh, uh, it's just okay. it's, it's one of the highlights of uh, the program. It just it just debuted at the Sheffield Documentary Film hmm. Festival last year, and just was mm-hmm. screened at the one of the best environmental film festivals in the world. the DC Environmental Film Festival, and so we're lucky enough to program that, and nice. um, that's part of the Stories of Africa story uh, program. Okay, okay,
1: yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Because I was all I was thinking this one here is a feature though, um, the Burning Field, which is um, mm. uh, which is set in Ghana. Yeah, Did you talk to a and that's some it, audience about hmm
5: Yeah, the the Burning Field is just a like. Um, is kind of a kind of an anthropological study of um, these uh, kind of metal recycling plants in uh, mm. Ghana, and so um, when we, you know, you know, I'm talking on a phone right now, you know, and so when I upgrade and get my next cell phone or I get my next phone uh, computer, all our kind of electronic trash gets most of it gets shipped to Africa, and then with it, um, you know, usually typically young teen boys and girls. Um, have to go through this very messy and toxic process of taking out all the valuable minerals and metals that are in these uh, electronics. And so um, the story follows these three teenagers um, as they work in these trash dumps to kind of make a day's wage. And so um, it's one of those, you know, stories I think we've read about in the newspaper, but we really haven't met the people who are actually doing this work. You can imagine it's very dangerous. It's very toxic. They often have to uh, burn, uh, burn the appliances and things to kind of um, get to the metal that they want. And so, um, you know, while it's a very difficult situation, um, it's one of those ones where, you know, the filmmakers don't necessarily take a judgment uh, to it all. It just allows you to kind of live amidst um, this recycling plant uh, for several days. And I think that. Many people, including myself, I think, will walk away and just say, "This is really messed up," you know, and there must mm-hmm. be a better way to do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, with I guess with a, uh, you know, it's a really beautiful, interesting film. And but I guess I should probably, you know, uh, focus on a positive film. There's a really great film, uh, "Becoming Rudy," uh, which is this, about this mm. <laughs> young African American. Um, uh, mountain biker and uh, uh, motorcyclist uh, who basically just loves the outdoors and of course has a spirit for competition. And she also mm-hmm. happens to be like a comic book illustrator. And it's just a, a great 20-25 minute film uh, about mm-hmm. her adventures out in the woods mm-hmm. and also how these adventures kind of give a uh, voice to um, the comic books that she creates. Uh, and so that's uh. just a really cool story and just, like, she's just like a, a character you just fall in love with and you just, like, want more and more. hmm
1: is, is that a part of this, the uh, the Africa series uh, of shorts that you mentioned or, or somewhere else? Uh, that
5: uh, that one is part of the Radical Females. Um, oh, Radical um, female. Okay. The Radical Females uh, uh, <laughs> block. But the one thing I will okay. say is that what we've tried to do is um, allow people to mix and match a little bit. Uh, so in mm-hmm. the sense that, like, if you want to see one of these shorts, you can kind of pick a couple other shorts to kind of watch with it um there's mm-hmm. these kind of we kind of sell some um you know badges so that you can just kind of pick and choose however you, you know you want and so we've definitely kind of tried to mix and match so it's like if you want like a lot of adventure films and you click that tag, you can watch those and so it's a little bit more free form than having to be in a theater
1: mhm right and and that's that's been the um the way that you all have been programming um, the um not the the doc fest but the one where you had um I'm trying to think what was the other festival last year that was toward the end of the year
5: um, uh SFND Fest or another hole in the head
1: yeah, another hole part. in the head. That was so fun, another <laughs> hole in the head because I've never done it because I thought it would be too scary, and it's not. <laughs> and that was such a fun fest. I just really loved it. And then and then you all have live, um, you know, they, they fill it really quickly, so if people are interested, you need to, like, get your ticket quickly. Um, you know how you all would have um, the directors come in and they just be, like, talking and stuff? Are you doing things like yeah. that this time as well?
5: Yeah, we're trying to bring the live experience to uh, the festival as best as we can. Um, mm-hmm. So what we've done is a lot of the films have uh, pre-recorded Q&As. Uh, so mm-hmm. myself or somebody else with the festival has kind of done a Q&A, um, ask the filmmaker or the cast, um, if uh, ones are being a fiction film, about um, the questions we imagine an audience might want. And so those, when you watch the film, Afterwards, you'll see a link to kind of watch Q&A. And so uh, for those that kind of want a little bit of more of behind the behind-the-scenes or kind of connect with a filmmaker, uh, those are there for most of the films in the program. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Super, super. And and do you have anything um, for children?
5: You know, um, let me think about that. Uh, I wish that I could say that there's something like like a clear children's program We thought Mm -hmm. about doing um, a program for children, but a lot of the films that we were looking at um, just weren't available because they've already been licensed by, like, a streamer like, you know, Disney Plus or Hulu. Um, Mm I mean, I think, you know, I would say, like, there are a lot of films in the program that I think that um, children might enjoy, you know, late elementary school, junior high, high school, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But that they're not necessarily specifically targeted at children, and so um, when I think of a film like the Becoming Rudy film uh, yeah. about the I feel like that's a film that like is of all ages, you know. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, you know there's some great adventure to it. There's the comic books, and um, it's just the sort of stuff that um, you know you know elementary school or like junior high people uh, would also kind of take a – you know, take something different out of it than an adult, but something that they would enjoy. Um, and then I think, you know, a film like, um, you know, Entangled or Red Heaven, it's like for folks that are like junior high or high school, I think that they'd find that really interesting. But uh unfortunately, not a lot of program for, you know, those kind of in elementary school or middle school.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. So how do people get tickets and sort of what's the range of of pricing? Because I know you all are very reasonable.
5: Yeah, we try to keep it uh, pretty affordable. So at Livable Planet, uh, tickets are available at sfnd.com. And um, so uh, tickets for a film are $10. uh, But because everybody's watching at home, uh, that could be one person or it could be an entire family. Um, It's just for the household. Um, once you start watching a film, uh, you have uh, – or once you purchase the ticket, you have seven days to watch it. Um, we do have some kind of um, specials right now in the sense of like, uh, you know, you can kind of get a badge, at a discounted price if there's a certain – if you want to see everything. Or I believe there's like a five-pack that's discounted by 25%, something like that. But um, all the different uh prices are on the website, sfnd.com. But we try to keep it affordable and – Typically, if you spend $10, uh, you know, you get about an hour and a half to two hours of content or, you know, whether, you know, a lot of our feature films, we've programmed a short film or two um, mm-hmm. with it, you know, and um, it's just like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, it's a little bit difficult to get people together during these pan- pandemic times, but, um, you know, the people in your pod have them come over and, you know, Watch out and have a little bit of a community screening in your living room if it's safe.
1: Mhm. <laughs> right, right. And and I was wondering, um, I really, really like um the uh just sort of uh the programming, the films they have to do with just like, you know, the coffee creamer and the one about mm. um uh, is it pants. And and then you have another one that I was looking at um that um he had, it was also a clothing one. Let me see. I highlighted it.
5: <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, again, the I conscience think. of clothing. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. This all this personification. You know, like you know, they don't just show up in your on. You know, they don't just just miraculously show up on a store shelf or you know in an online um, environment for purchase. Hands touched it. You know, from from the ground. Or, or or the lab, if it's not something that's um, uh, <laughs> in environmentally like it, it didn't come from the earth, you know, somebody created the fabric in in a in a in a, in a um, laboratory. Yeah, yeah, and just of the conscious of clothing, it sort of reminds you of like a, one of those. Uh, this is your food, um, you know, uh, <laughs> or this is your life from Sesame Street, <laughs> where it talks about the loaf of bread and. How first it was you know you know it was a we it was a you know maybe a stalk of weed, and then it got went to the mill and it got ground into flour and then some some baker made it you know mixed it up with eggs and leavening and something milk and put it in the oven it became a loaf of bread and then it got sliced and then it became a mom bought it in the in the um, grocery store and took it home and took two slices out and put it on the plate and did what she did, and then showed up on a, you know, in lunchtime, and yeah, wow. So <laughs> the kinds of clothing. <laughs> how did it get on, how did it get from idea
5: to in our closet? That's right, yeah, and they go explore around the world about, you know, how things are sourced and also meet the people who make our clothing, and, you know, it's kind of, a, mm. in some ways, an expose on the fast fashion industry, this idea of, like, you know, that, um You know um this kind of new trend uh where basically clothing's considered disposable you know it's like you wear it six times and then you throw it away you know and um Mm, mm -hmm. and how this kind of ties in of course to so much of the kind of boom with like influencers on instagram and things and so you know it's uh, i know some of these films um you know deal with some deep topics but like You know, the nice thing with the way that so many of these filmmakers approach it, it's like they're not judging you if you're making a a decision that's like harming the planet, right? But they just want to Mm -hmm. make sure that you're aware of the effects of your decision, you know? (laughs) And I think so often we we just aren't always necessarily as reflective um, as maybe we should be, you know? And so the idea Mm -hmm. that own your choices I think is, you know, a good takeaway.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're destroying the planet, at least know that you are, um, you know, as you throw away things. Yeah, wow, wow. I hadn't heard about disposable clothing. I know now with our electronics, you can't buy a picture tube. I remember, you know, that's been a long time that you can't fix these these uh, component type of gadgets. You have to throw them away from the phones to the larger, you know, um, you know consoles like. Like refrigerators and computers, mm. you know, the desktops, and you think, "Whoa!" And and people don't think about where this stuff that's not recyclable because it's toxic, where it goes. And even if it goes into the local landfill, you know, you can't make like nobody could ever live there Wait. safely.
5: <laughs> Yeah, it's, just a, yeah. it's just one of those things I think we've gotten so used to the disposability of things, you know, and I mean, my, myself included. I'm always surprised by how much trash my family creates, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I know that I probably don't necessarily make the decisions, the best decisions because of convenience, right? You know, you're like, well, if I want to live this way, it's going to be a bit harder, you know. But sometimes we mm-hmm. have to make those harder decisions so that life won't be harder another decade or two down the road, you know.
1: Right, right, yeah. Just think about those little people that are going to be here when we're not here and what we're leaving them.
5: Mm-hmm. Right. Do they want to be running across all our old refrigerators and cell phones? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Your mm-hmm.
1: Right, totally, totally. And and so I wanted to ask you, what, was there anything about the festival um, that you wanted to share that we didn't talk about? And then, um, you know, we sort of been sprinkling kind of um, environmental consciousness throughout our conversation um, this morning, but I also wanted to know if, um, was there anything around environmental racism specifically um, in any of these films that we Mm. haven't talked about? Or maybe if you did talk
5: about it, maybe you could say, oh
1: yeah, and by the way, this one here looks at
5: this too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, um, in regards to the program, I think the thing that I just want people to kind of take away is like, we really tried to kind of, you know, be representative of the world as a whole. So, you know, there's stories from every continent, you know, um, stories of, you know, people of different incomes and backgrounds and um, locations from the desert to the city to the rainforest, you know, uh, to – actually, they have a really great uh, short program called the Two Poles, and um, that's a program of basically – uh the people that either live or do research um, you know, in the Arctic or Antarctic. And so that's a fun one because like of course you get a program a film about penguins, but we also got a film program a film about uh, you know, community that's being lost to the sea up in the Arctic Circle, uh kind of an indigenous community. Um and then on the flip side in the Antarctica uh, region we go and um travel with these different scuba divers that scuba dive in the this freezing water and come face to face with these giant sea spiders. Um, and so that's kind of just its own otherworldly program, The Two Poles, um, which uh, has four or five different films kind of exploring the Antarctic and Arctic. Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the idea of environmental racism, because I think that's just such a key underlying aspect of just so much of the kind of disenfranchisement that you know, is out there in, com- in the community um, offhand. Um, I don't know if there is a particular um, story that deals with that offhand, but there are two films that I think that kind of in a way thematically fit to it. So, I mean, one is the story of um, Arctic summer about this kind of community that's being lost to the, the sea in the Arctic circle, you know, and I think, one of the things we often, you know, take for granted with climate change is that usually some of the people that are first and most affected by climate change are, you know, folks from indigenous communities, you know, and, you know, the decisions that are being made elsewhere. I mean, whether they're, you know, in, you know implicitly made or just part of the kind of systematic racism that kind of, you know, goes on in society, these impacts are just, you know, impossible to ignore. Um, and I think, you know, also a story like the art uh, the, um, the, what's it called? Um, uh, the stolen, no, not the stolen. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this is my uh, brain head at home. Um, I was getting my COVID shot yesterday. <laughs> um, oh, my. Uh, let's see, uh, what oh, the burning field that we talked about in Ghana, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a story mm-hmm. of environmental racism too. I mean, I mean, look, we're basically this div- uh, first world country in the United States and we're just sending, you know, um all these, you know, uh, toxic, um processes to be done in Africa. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's an underlying kind of environmental racism story there as well, you know? Um if the mm-hmm. stuff was safe to deal with, you know, uh, we probably would be doing it here in our, in our, in our own backyard. Um, but I think, um these sorts of you know, topics are explored in um you know a couple of different ways but kind of more subtle versus any that are just kind of tackle that theme head on. Mhm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm looking forward to
1: um to seeing these films and participating in um some of these uh conversations um you know that are pre-recorded and live um this time I'm gonna try to catch a few. I I didn't catch any I had intentions but I wasn't able to get in because I waited too late. <laughs> I know what that's like sometimes. Yeah, it's like, oh, we are full. I'm like, darn. And you and there, there's no recording of, of some of these. Like they're just in the moment. And then if you miss it, you just have to listen to somebody, you know, going on about how great it was some other place, <laughs> which is great. It's really great when everything is not taped. You know, it's like you don't see that little red button on the left corner, like, oh, good, it's not being recorded, super. you got to be here or you missed it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's that's kind of nice, keeping a little spontaneity in a time when everything is being documented, literally, and like, what's going to happen right. to this? Like, where are you going to post it? Where is it going to be? Whose archive are you going to be keeping this? Um, yeah, can I have a link? <laughs> and then yeah. links expire, of course. <laughs>
5: Yeah, the transient yeah. nature of uh, things. And I think that's the thing that um, do do want people to know is, like, you know, we've been lucky enough to uh, program the films that are part of Livable Planet, which starts tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. April 22nd, Earth Day. But uh, the films are only live until May 2nd. Uh, so we just basically have these um, week and a half, these two weekends, uh, to be able to kind of watch films. But you can watch them 24-7. So I know sometimes we've been surprised. Like, there are people watching documentaries at 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, and then mm-hmm. others are watching them at eight o'clock at night. So the nice thing is you can kind of watch them wherever you want, but we only have the films available during the next week and a half. And so, um be really interested to hear what people think about the program and um tickets and all the films are listed at um sfnd.com for Livable Planets.
1: Right, yeah. Well, thank you again so much. And I, I'm sure the program, it looks really good on paper. I'm sure it's going to look really good on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> and
5: then we'll see you at the Roxy, hopefully, it. for the next festival.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not like being at the Roxy at all. <laughs> but it, it, it'll do for the moment.
5: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Glad That's it's happening. We're all making our way through things. Certainly, <laughs> certainly. Well, certainly. Thanks again, well was, was I really appreciated chatting with you.
1: Oh yeah, it's always lovely and, and you know and, and good luck on your recovery from, from the first um part of the two shot um I guess uh protocol. You know, hopefully everything will go yep. out well go well in your body as it acclimates, acclimates itself to um, you know, to the vaccination.
5: Most definitely. I'm just thankful that the vaccinations are here and that we can all kind of uh get safe and then be able to kinda of take out the next step
1: hmm Alrighty.
5: righty <laughs> well, you take care i, I, I take care yeah bye bye bye
1: so we are going to um sort of reach back into um the archives for a song you haven't heard in a while and i was trying to think did i want to play ben Vereen's? i got a lot of living to do because we're talking about livable planet and i was just sort of like playing on livable and living uh so I think I'm going to go with uh, I've Got a, live, a Lot of Living to Do. Uh, I was going to play Defying Gravity, like that one as well. <laughs> That's a, I don't know. I think that would be a nod to the Mars exploration, you know, with, with, the, um, uh, with the, uh, the vehicle's uh, successful landing. But I'm going to go with the first one.
4: Remember me telling you about these, these guys who ran Vegas? Well, they had a theme song. They were cool, Frank, Dino, Joey, Peter, Sammy <laughs> Davis Jr. They all smoked Lucky cigarettes because they knew they were the luckiest guys on the planet. And they had a theme song, and the theme song went like this: There are girls just right for some kissing, and I'm mean to kiss me a few. Oh, those girls don't know what they're missing, I've got a lot of living to do, and there is one all ready for tasting, there are Cadillacs shining. To do. There are places to go, people to see, things we can do. i mm-hmm.
1: Size, please. Yeah, that was Ben Vereen. And um yeah, I was just looking uh in the archive programs. I had him um on the air back in June June twelfth. He was at the RAS room, June twelfth through seventeenth in two thousand and twelve and I had a great, great conversation with him uh that that particular um I guess the week before or something like that. Anyway, uh, yes, I had some of his music uh, queued up. And I wanted to remind people that uh, the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association is um, having its uh, annual, its ninth annual conference of African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association, ADRASA, um, entitled Praising and Raising the Dead, life, death and rebirth in Africana religions. And uh, and the featured presenter of the keynote is Her Royal Majesty Queen Mother Devotee Tazir Huna 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 and Huna the uh, Second Gwele. And again, she is author of Redlining a Holocaust Memorials and the People of the Afro Atlantic Woshe Kase Wosh and Wosh Kaze Wosh. I should remember this because I had to uh, introduce her. Uh, you know, we had a program in December in collaboration with the San Francisco um, Public Library African American Center where we featured her in conversation. Ah, it was so lovely. About an hour, two hours, no, two-hour conversation. And that is available at the San Francisco Library Public Library um, African American Center Center. Uh, YouTube uh, channel, so it's still available. You can listen to that. But she is featured uh, at this wonderful conference that begins on Friday, April twenty third, and it goes through, I believe, Sunday. And uh, if you go to the website um, adrsa.org forward slash conference, adrsa.org conference, you can register, and and there is a price that can suit everyone's uh budget. Um so you don't stop, you don't need to stop at the first one. Just keep on scrolling down till you find find a uh, uh an amount that fits your your pocketbook cuz you don't want to miss it. It's going to be simply outstanding. So we're going to close with uh another Ben Vereen. Um we're not going to go over as usual we do. I was thinking about um playing uh something from the archives with Edie and Miranda talking about the women's building, I really wanted to. Uh, yes, I might do that anyway, so you can catch this in uh, <laughs> in the archive. But I'm gonna I'm gonna close with uh, Mr. Vin Vereen singing Mr. Bojangles. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. You take good care. Peace and blessings.
4: To a man Sammy Davis, he danced for you in shiny tap shoes, high collared silk shirts, tuxedo pants. Sam would do the old soft shoe. When he sang this song, he'd jump high. Remember how Sammy Davis used to used to jump up high? And then Sammy he would light He sang of Mr. Bojangle. Sammy would sing of Bojangle. Sammy would sing of Bojangles. And Sam would say, Man, the cat can dance. You met him in a cell down in New Orleans. He was down. Talk about life. Yeah, he would, but would speak on life. And he danced the lick right across the cell. Slapped the side, took a better stance. He jumped up high, and then the man he even clicked his heels. And then he let go this laugh. <laughs> he let go a laugh, and then he shook his clothes all around, he said, they call me Bojangles, <laughs> yes son, they call me Bojangles, you see, well, they call me Bojangles, and son, I can dance, he said, well, nowadays I just dances in hockey tops, well, mainly for my drinks. And more tips The <laughs> well, son You're going to find me right here Behind these county walls we oh, you see Well I I drink some bit But he shook his head And Lord As that man shook his head I swore
5: I heard Someone
4: say Please Mr. Bojangles Hey, them Hey, Sammy Hey, Sam Won't you come You know, it's truly like they say, there never will be one again quite like Sammy Davis Jr. But me for one, I sure am glad he came this way.
1: Yeah, there's a really great film, Uh, it's a recent film, Uh, it's called Sammy Davis Jr., I've Got to Be Me, and uh, it was really, really great. I'm just sort of thinking about people that we think we know that we really don't know. Um, I'm trying to think, Uh, Sam Pollard is the uh, director of... Of of this film that was screened on American Masters on uh, PBS, and, and and I just sort of think about uh, folks like the fictional character in uh, Anthony Morrison's *The Bluest Eye*, which um, has a radio um, uh, radio play debut at the Aurora Theater uh, through. May twenty first. So you can go to Aurora Theater and uh and get your ticket. Um and they have some really reasonable options uh there as well. And and you can hear this marvelous, marvelous production. But the protagonist, her name is Piccola and the story is told through um Piccola's friends, uh, also children. And and Piccola, uh, in in the play and also in, in the novel which um is having its 51st um anniversary but it was the first film it was the first um book that novel that was written by the award-winning Pulitzer prize uh, award-winning author Toni Morrison um I say to her her memory and and thank you so much Ms Morrison for your wonderful work uh, particularly this particular um uh story and I want to share share, um, this, um, section from the play, just because I want you to kind of think about what it means to be invisible, what it means to be not seen, and, and just sort of an ashe, um, to George Floyd, um, who was killed, uh, was it the year before last, was it last year? Uh, um, Hmm, yeah, last year, actually, um, and uh what was the last you know the year before last sorry, and um, I need to check this. <laughs> Keep on vacillating, but anyway, um, you know, people think about what happened with regards to the verdict as as justice at last, however, you know it's it's just it's just moving a little further along the line of along the 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 slope toward African people being humanized, um, because if, if we were seen as people, then we wouldn't be treated the way we are treated by those people that we pay their salary. So, so far, we are not the people. We talk about the, uh, you know, democracy, and we talk about who are the people that are holding these truths, self-evident. They're not these people, like these people that are melanated, these African people, we of course, we know that we are these people, we are those people, we are the people because all people come from our people, um and so that's that's something that's really central to Morrison and, and how she says that we do not need to uh to even acknowledge the white the white gaze because um not because it doesn't acknowledge us, but because it's sort of counterproductive to our humanity and to our sense of self. And so, in this particular story, the bluest eye, we see what happens, you know, when a person has too much melanin, and it is seen th- as threatening. So we got this beautiful little black girl, and she's saying, "This is toward the end of the story um, in the play, and so you can uh, you'll you'll see how how it develops." Um in how this child is treated by her parents who've also been um, negated because they have too much melanin, so the beauty becomes um, it becomes a burden um, it is seen as threatening and so Pacola says she is um she goes to find this this person who is his his name is soaphead Church, and he can he can grant dreams, he can make stuff happen um, with sacrifice, of course, with a sacrifice. And I won't tell you what that sacrifice is. Um, Piccola tells um, Soaphead, uh, what do you need me to do, he says. Pecola says, I can't go to school no more, and I thought maybe you could help me. So Piccola says, my eyes, I want them blue. I want them blue so people won't turn away from me when I walk down the street. So I can go to school. So my stomach stop growing and my baby be strong. I want them blue so my mama love me and I have friends, and they think I'm pretty. I want them blue so people don't do ugly things in front of me and I stop being invisible. So just think about that. Peace and blessings, everyone. Be well and be safe.